Hello, friends, and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Justin, a.k.a. Just Tries, and we're always talking vulnerability, learning, and growth mindset. No sponsors just yet, so go to justkeeplearning.ca to find coaching and content geared toward helping you not just set goals, but achieve them too. Our guest today, in partnership with TrueFan, runs a world-class podcast called My Social Life, which gives the audience a glimpse into the stories behind the people on social media, influencers, and business leaders. He has a solid background in copywriting, marketing, and a knack for combining business and creativity to help people, which led him to launching his own digital agency, Jack Marketing. Like all of our guests, and most importantly, he is a great example of following your real dreams while being a good person along the way. We talked about his life experience, goal setting, and how to start a podcast. Please welcome to episode three of the Learned Podcast, Jacob Ellie. That podcasts fail after their first five to seven episodes, I think is what I've heard so far. So I promise to make it past that and uh, hopefully you'll get some of your words out there. Have you heard any stats about that? About, yeah, I've heard, I think I heard the seven number that most podcasts fail before the seventh episode. So with the podcast I host at work, we put out the ninth episode today. So I was pretty excited we passed that. And what podcast is that? So that's called Red Blacks Unfiltered. So it's just, I basically started this podcast on my own. It's the official podcast of the Red Blacks. And I kind of just basically do my podcast, but instead of about social media, I make it about football and I interview guys on the team. What's working at home like for you right now uh, with COVID compared to maybe what it was like before? I love it. It just makes like just the flexibility and I have more time. I'm not commuting to the gym. I'm not commuting to work. I get like because of that, I probably get like an hour to an hour and a half back in my day, right? It takes me 25 minutes to walk, 25, 30 minutes to walk to work, 25, 30 minutes to walk home, 15 minutes to the gym one way, 15 minutes home. With that, I've started instituting like better night routines, better morning routines and stuff like that. So it's just, I'm personally loving it. And I honestly like didn't go outside for a week straight and I didn't even realize. What about in terms of your setup or finding spaces in your house? Have you had to come up with creative solutions or was that already set up? I mean, it was already set up because like I just sit where I host a podcast. Uh, at Christmas time, I got some mic arms. I got these pop filters and just some stuff for the podcast. So I set this desk up so that I basically had a, a little makeshift studio. So whenever someone wanted to record a podcast, I was ready to go. Um, so that hasn't been too challenging. My girlfriend's also started to work from home now. She has her own virtual assistant business that's taking off actually. And we just, right before all this happened, we found a desk um, in our apartment. When people move out, there's like a spot where they just leave their stuff if they can't take it with them and it's fair game. We found a desk. It wasn't in the, the worst shape. So we snagged that for free. And then luckily we snagged that. That was probably like a week or two before the shutdown. And then she's working there. It's a little tight. We live in a one bedroom apartment. So space is a little limited. We kind of said, we wish we had a condo in the suburbs as opposed to an apartment downtown. Like we had a condo beforehand and there was two bedrooms, two bathrooms. And we're like, in hindsight, it would have been great to be there right now. And unfortunately we're not. So we've just talked about how more space would be ideal, but we're making it work with what we've got. Just taking a tiny step back would be, if you could explain a bit, about um, what you do in your work and what your current mission is. So my day job right now is I'm the digital coordinator for the Auto Red Blacks. So I'm responsible for the social media channels, all the website content, all the email content. So I have to do all of that. I don't know. Just trying to quantify what my mission is there is tough because I don't know if I actually have a mission there. I just kind of fell into it after I graduated from college. Um, I was supposed to go back and do a postgraduate decided not to. I was 19 years old and I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And I just decided to drop out and I had no plan. And I emailed my program coordinator from my old program. And I said, 
not the one I dropped out of, the one I graduated from. And, uh, and I was like, hey, I've decided not to go back. If you know anybody going or anybody looking for someone that's recently graduated marketing, let me know because I just dropped out. I have a zero plan. And sure enough, the exact same day, uh, a fellow alumni from the marketing program at Algonquin who had... Um, the Ottawa Red Blacks and 67s as a client was like, hey, my client, OSEG, Dotto Sports Entertainment Group, is looking for a marketing student that recently graduated. And it was the exact same day that I reached out and said I was looking. So it was just kind of serendipitous that way. And he kind of put my name forth. The fellow alumni had met me. So he recommended me. I got... Who else? I had basically anyone and everyone that I knew that knew somebody at the Ottawa Sports, Ottawa Sports Entertainment Group. I got them to call in and give me a reference. And funny enough story, this is totally not even anything to do with my mission. I just started rambling and here we are. But funny enough story, my girlfriend's dad directs CTV Morning Live. And at that time, Henry Burris was on the show. And so my girlfriend's dad and Henry Burris became buddies. So I had Henry Burris call in and give me a recommendation. <laughs> so that's a lock. Yeah. So I don't necessarily have, I don't know how to quantify my mission there. If I'm being completely honest, starting to experiment with some client stuff and doing social media marketing and social media management on the side right now. So maybe my mission will eventually become more geared towards that. But on the other side, my other side, technically my social media business, I guess you'd call it is a side hustle, but I have another side hustle, which is my podcast. And the mission behind that is to tell the stories behind the people on social media. And I feel like kind of the premise behind that is everyone's their most PR version of themselves on social media. They happen. We're starting to see a shift now where people are being more raw and real. But for the longest time, we're our most PR versions of our shell self. We curate what we share, even if not even like curating content from other people, we just curate the content of our lives to share. So what's the story behind that though? Like how do you get those Instagram photos? How do you put that feed together? How do you make your YouTube videos? What is your story? And I want to do it like behind the scenes. I want to get to know the person as the person, not just the person on social media. So that's kind of the story behind my podcast. I think that the more people listen to it, the better off we'll be in terms of making social media a positive place, which is kind of part of my mission is in a similar way, bringing education from what it was traditionally to more of a mainstream space, whether it's YouTube or podcast. That's what I'm trying to figure out, especially with this COVID stuff, people being, you know, not able to get to students. So in terms of that thought, education and learning, have you always been a creative person? And did any of your educational high school, you know, experience help you as a stepping stone to where you are today? Yeah. So was I always creative? Yes. Before I kind of got into marketing, my goal growing up from probably the time I was like 10, 11 years old, I wanted to be like a director and a writer of movies. That's what I wanted. And ultimately, I just never chased it. And I was actually like, I do journaling every night. Recently, I've started this probably last two and a half weeks. But one thing I kind of unlocked as I was doing it is that part of the reason I never really pursued it is like, I didn't have any outlet for that really. Like I, I took a couple video courses in high school, but that was it. Um, but I had no video outlet. There had no outlet for that. Like I didn't know any directors. I didn't know any script writers. And I think that's part of the reason why I didn't pursue it. I'm glad I didn't pursue it. I'm very happy where I am today. But I just think that kids today have the ability to access writers and directors and whatever their interests are online. And even if they have no one in their immediate surroundings, they can find those people on the internet and they can find communities of people that have similar interests on the internet. And I was, I didn't really have a full understanding of social media and the internet when I was in high school, even though it wasn't that long ago, it was like four or five years ago. But even so at that point, I didn't fully understand everything I could do with it. And it's probably the last couple of years where I really understood that I can learn pretty much anything I want through tutorials or just Googling it. And I can find communities of whatever my interests are 
through the internet. I can be connected with people all over the world. My podcast is connecting me with people literally all over the world, Australia, England, San Francisco, Los Angeles, New York, Florida, like all over the world. But onto the point where my high school did impact kind of a stepping stone. I So I grew up in Manitoba. I lived in Ottawa, I was nine, moved to Manitoba at after that, did my high schooling there and middle school. And we had a business program. So you could graduate the same way you can graduate with a French diploma. You could also graduate with a business diploma, a distinction in business. And so I ended up doing that. You used to take a certain amount. I think it was nine courses over your high school career. I ended up taking the nine. And at the very, the last semester of my high school, I believe it was my last semester, we had to do, we had to come up with a business. And with that business, we had to make like somewhat of a business plan and everything and put together a pitch deck. And and then we would go to the local um, business development association, I believe is what it was called. And they got three local entrepreneurs that would sit in, sit across the table along with our teacher and we would pitch them. We had a certain amount of time and we would pitch them our business. And we have to kind of give some real life numbers on like how much it's going to cost to start it. I believe the winners got like a thousand dollar cash infusion to start and actually start their business. And we did that. And believe it or not, funny enough, my pitch at the time, although I didn't understand what I was pitching, was essentially a marketing agency. I was saying like, we can help you. I believe it was social media, but a lot of it was centered around video and creating content for businesses, local businesses, because I felt like that was an opportunity. And I think I said like, I can turn, it was like a, a 1600% return on your investment or some ridiculous number that I don't remember how I got. But either way, so I found, I ultimately didn't win the competition, but my teacher sat me down after the fact and was like, look, the only reason you didn't win is because in your Q&A period, you told them you were moving to Ottawa at the end of August. And this was like the end of May. So they're like, they're not going to fund a business for a guy that's going to leave the community in a couple of months. So ultimately I didn't get it. I'm not heartbroken. I knew I did a good job. They liked me. It was good. And that was kind of just an interesting Looking back on it now, that was probably big, but I had a conversation with someone recently about college and stuff like that in high school and education and whether if I would go back, would I do college again? Because I asked this person, they were a hundred percent, I would not go back to college. And they asked me if I would. And I was like, I probably would because had you just dropped me into the world at 18 years old, I don't think I understood the possibilities that were out there. I wasn't ready for the world yet. So I don't know what I would have done in that two-year period that I went to school. And I think school established a really solid foundation for me to build off of. I think everything I do right now, I didn't learn in school, but it has allowed me to build a foundation foundation so I can understand and find those interests that I establish that I have today. I don't know if I actually answered your question. I just feel like I really rambled there for the last five minutes. Obviously, you're in the 80 some episodes in terms of your podcast, how many times you've been on podcasts, but it must feel a little bit different in terms of the way you approach it. You know, you did answer the question, though. <laughs> it is different, but I actually love it. Like I love hosting, but I also love being the interviewee. It's fun because like every single podcast will get something different out of you as a guest, right? Like every single person is different and they're going to approach the interview a little differently. So not only do I, I just enjoy answering questions, but I also like learning new things almost about myself that someone asks me that I've never, like, I don't think I've ever, I've never talked about that pitch I did in grade 12 on a podcast ever before. I don't even remember the last time I talked about it, period. So it's like stuff like that, that either I bring, talk about things I never talked about before or stuff like that. Like every podcast brings something a little bit different out of you. So I actually love it. And I think part of my love of being a guest on podcasts now would mean if I ever had a job interview or something, I'd do far better than I would before starting the podcast just because having people ask me questions and having to creatively think of answers is a skill I've just crafted through my hobby and my passion over the last couple of years. Yeah, exactly. Those transferable skills. And you mentioned it with respect to entrepreneurship and having support from your business program in high school, as well as community entrepreneurial leaders helping you guys. Maybe that's part of the answer, but is there anything else that you think that high schools could do a better job of serving students? I think just 
preparing students for a life that they're a life online. Because I mean, granted, I, again, it's been over four, I've been out of high school longer than I was in it. And that boggles my mind a ridiculous amount, but I don't know. So I don't exactly, like I could be a little bit ignorant in the fact that I don't understand what's going on in classrooms right now, but are students still not really encouraged to be using their phones in class? Is that still happening? In terms of using cell phones in schools, it would be a teacher led decision. How does it uh, accelerate or support the learning, leaving teachers up to their professional judgment to navigate that. And in, and like in your opinion, do you think more often than not, it's still very minimal usage of cell phones in classrooms? Yeah, probably. It's still very much about the tension between they're a distraction versus they can be used as a tool. Yeah. Of course, they're going to be a distraction. But at the end of the day, I think it should be finding more and more ways to incorporate the cell phone into the classroom. There's just no, there's no situation where these students are going to graduate and not have access to a cell phone. So it's finding ways that they can use that cell phone for their personal gain. I guess like at the end of the day, like having a student Google something about history might not be the most effective, but finding ways that encourage students to use their phone, whether it be to leverage social media, to better tell stories, to create better content. I think that those skills are going to be very beneficial to students whenever they graduate. And I'm not saying like give them a text and let them use their phone to Google the answers. I'm saying create projects where they have to create video or maybe they have to create an Instagram account for a specific project. Or I be- like I follow like my sister's still in high school. She's about to graduate. And I think they all had to make a TikTok account for a project at some point earlier this year. So it's just finding interesting ways to incorporate their phone, social media and technology into the classroom. From as much as I can, I try and do that. I can only access so many students at a time. So supporting teachers and feeling comfortable with it but more so taking it to the mainstream because I don't even know what students are out there who could benefit from these types of conversations. Hopefully will help. I won't say many times, but I've heard you say a few times about how long it took you from coming up with the idea for your podcast to actually executing. Uh, Could you tell us a bit about the journey in terms of how you got into podcasting? And you're right. I think I do say this story a lot. Uh, (laughs) I think I just, I just start coming up with some new stories. But so this one essentially is what I always say is that I got, I I got the idea to start a podcast before Christmas. Christmas of 2017. Prior to Christmas 2017, because for Christmas, I asked for podcast gear and I got some of it. I ordered everything else that I need to start a podcast shortly thereafter. So December 2017, my podcast came out in July of 2018. I started recording episodes in June. And with that in mind, that's like a six month window where I had all the gear, but I didn't start recording and because I didn't think I was ready. And I had to figure out the podcast name and I had to come up with a cover out and I had to be able to do my intro and I had to know who I was going to interview. And I had to figure out how to get guests and how to do interviews. And I recorded my first podcast and I still wasn't ready. And you could have given me another six months of trying to figure it out. And I still wouldn't have been ready because I found that I learned by doing. I learned so much more by doing. I figured out my podcast interview cadence. I figured out how to edit better. I figured out how to read people better. Like there's just things that you're not going to be able to learn by without actually doing it. So what I always tell people is to just start. No matter how prepared you think you are, you're never actually ready until you start. So that's what I always tell to people. No matter whether it's a business, a podcast, a YouTube channel, you want to start painting, just start because you're going to learn so much by doing as opposed to just sitting there trying to strategize and come up with the best way to do it. And kind of building on top of that, there's never going to be a quote unquote right time to do something. Never, ever, ever is there going to be the right time to do something. So just start it today. I have a feeling that's going to come up every episode, which is amazing. Um, The one thing that's tough to access is what do you think at that six month mark happened, whether it was in your mind or something 
pragmatic that led you to pushing record and having that kind of moment switch, right? Because the lead up was there, but in a moment you started doing, right? Do you, are you able to articulate what that was? That's interesting. Nobody's ever asked me that question before, what that switch was that made me to go from contemplating to doing. And I think I honestly can't even put myself back into the mindset of me at that time. But if I were to make a guess, I would say it's because I got my first guest. And my first guest was my desk mate. He sat next to me at work. He has since become a very, very good friend of mine. And that is Hayden Cashin. And Hayden, I was talking to Hayden a lot about the podcast and what I wanted to do. And somehow, some way it ended up where I asked him to come my podcast because I think I actually asked him twice. And the first time he wasn't too sure because I didn't have a direction for the podcast. I didn't know what the podcast was going to be about. He's like, well, you should probably pick a niche first. And I want to fit that niche. And I was like, that's totally fair. And eventually I came up with people doing cool things on social media which he was doing. He had over 15,000 followers. At the time, my podcast, he had to have over 10,000 followers to come on it because it was about how to grow on social media. And I didn't want someone with like 800 followers to tell me how to grow when they haven't grown themselves. So that was the whole thought process behind it. It was naive that since changed, but Hayden had 15,000 followers at the time. So I asked him to come on the podcast and he said, yes. And so I had that commitment at that point. I think it was the commitment to it that held me accountable to getting it together and figuring out how to edit and all that stuff. And it was that commitment that made me actually start. That's gold right there. Because there's not a right answer with that. I think a lot of times we can ask rhetorical questions. But the fascinating thing about that question is if I have 10 guests, because I promised to go past seven, or if I have a thousand, each one will have a different answer to that. And we probably may not even know the entirety of it, which I think is is a cool thing about chasing goals. I'm probably going to steal that question from you. So thank you for that. <laughs> no worries. I mean, that, that's the big question, right? If we had that and could bottle it, that'd be it. We'd be starting a business. I'd be having you close down the podcast. I'd close down mine and we would sell that, whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. So then you went on to 80 plus episodes, obviously. Um, so momentum kicked in. Were there times where you felt like quitting though? Uh, was there? I don't, I don't think so. Quitting's never been like an actual option. I think like, well, I've been quarantining and had time to think and look inwards and contemplate life. I've had the idea what would happen if I stopped the podcast. Not like a, I need to stop the podcast. It's been like a, just a contemplation of what life would look like if I didn't have it there. Um, but I've never came close to quitting it. I think the lowest point I would have had though is I took a trip to New York last year, 10 podcasts in six days, oh, up and down all over New York City, got into VaynerMedia twice, got in just some crazy situations. And that was such a high that when I came back to Ottawa, and that wasn't happening anymore. I wasn't going into VaynerMedia twice in the same week. I wasn't going to end up on some guy, random guy's rooftop watching a sunset over Manhattan. I was just going to be at home trying to figure out how to record a remote podcast using Skype that's going to lead to the worst sounding interview I've ever done. That was a low point for me because New York was just such a high and so much fun that I had to kind of come back down to reality a little bit. And I kind of lost some personal momentum. I still stuck with putting a new podcast up every week. Definitely having that backlog of like two and a half months worth of content that I shot in New York was helpful to not losing that momentum. But there was definitely like a low point. I kind of was just dragging my feet a little bit because it wasn't as cool at that time. But like I said, I stay consistent. I came out of that dip and I'm still going today. I've only ever missed uploading once. And that was my fourth episode between episodes three and four. There's a three week gap. But other than that, I've stayed consistent. My first, I think seven episodes was every two weeks, which is why there was a three week gap. But since then, since I made the switch after episode seven to posting once a week, I haven't missed a week. An inspiration to all of us who are just starting. And anyone who's interested in content creation or the creative arts and publishing and putting themselves out there, 
She had watched the Netflix special on Dave Chappelle receiving the Mark Twain Award. I don't know if you saw that. No. But it's worth checking out. He speaks about the fact that people will say that nobody has ever gone on as a stand-up comedian and just hit it out of the park on their first show, except for Dave Chappelle. And then he says, that's true. I hit it out of the park on day one, but number two to 10, I flopped. And he's like, had I not come back for 11, you guys wouldn't know me. And uh, it was cool. And he goes on to talk in his speech about um, having to ignore the haters and all these kinds of things. And he was smoking. <laughs> he's like, it's 2020. I'm smoking indoors. <laughs> he's like, anyways, it was, uh, it, was, it was just good in terms of that kind of message, you know? I guess uh, you just talked a little bit about um, not missing an upload and having from 10 episodes in New York up to a couple months of content. That speaks to the fact that you do have a schedule in terms of when you release episodes. Want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So my schedule right now is I post an interview every single Monday morning, 5 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And every single Thursday morning, I do this thing called the takeaways, which is where I sit down by myself and I talk about my most recent podcast. I pull out like the top five points or whatever it might be that I just kind of jot down three to, I think my last one had 10 points, but that was rare. But yeah, about five points we'll say. And I just sit down, rant for like 20 minutes about these points, why they're important, why I thought they were important, maybe a behind the scenes story from the podcast, something like that. And those are usually about 20 minutes. My interviews range one hour to two hours usually. Yes, I put a podcast up every single Monday and every single Thursday, which the reason I do that is one, for consistency. And two, it's to hold myself accountable. The same way when I started, I made that commitment with Hayden that, hey, we're going to record this podcast. So I had to be ready. I made this commitment, yes, to my followers, but I don't think I have enough followers. I would actually notice if I missed a Monday and uploaded on a Tuesday. But I've made that commitment to myself that every single Monday morning, I'm going to upload a brand new podcast. And I've been able to do that for over a year now. And I don't want to miss it. So I have that accountability with myself that every Monday morning, I'm going to do this. But now that I've done it for over a year, there's so much momentum towards it that I would feel terrible if I missed an episode, especially now that I have like a, a month in advance worth of content that it's keeping that momentum going and it's keeping me accountable. And I think habits and systems are so underrated when it comes to success. So that's definitely what it's all about. In terms of being a podcaster, one big surprise of benefit that you maybe didn't expect getting into podcasting. I want to say the people I've met at the beginning, like, so the intent behind my podcast when I started, this is kind of was again, to teach people how to grow on social media. So my whole thing was I'm going to interview influencers. They have a bunch of followers. They're going to come on my podcast. They're going to promote it. My podcast is going to be huge in like a month. I'm going to be able to chill and just do podcasts. I I think my third interview, the guy had like 14,000 followers. I'm like, he's going to promote it. 2000 people will probably listen to it. No, (laughs) not even close. Like I was very naive about that fact that it wasn't going, I wasn't going to take off. I wasn't going to blow up as fast as I thought I would. I haven't even blown up now. I'm just chipping away. But I think I guess the way to frame that as a positive surprise is the relationships to me over time became not even not even over time is pretty quickly on that. I realized the relationships I'm going to form through the podcast are far more valuable or equally as valuable as the downloads. Even though my podcast isn't my full-time job, I'm not getting thousands. I'm not even getting hundreds of downloads on some of my podcasts every week. But at the end of the day, I'm making a connection and a relationship with someone that I never would have met without the podcast. And although I kind of I kind of knew that, I didn't fully understand what that meant when I started, that I was actually going to have the opportunity to build a friendship and build a relationship with these people. And a, a fair number of my friends now have come because they've either been on my podcast or they've listened to my podcast. Without the podcast, I would have a fraction of the network that I have now. So I think that's a big thing is the 
the relationship aspect that came with the podcast. I originally I thought it was going to be a way for me to meet these people. I didn't actually think that it was going to be a way for me to build a relationship with these people. I think that that's worth noting for people is that social media, internet, digital friends that we meet lead to valuable, authentic relationship. That's something that I already in my infancy of using YouTube have learned quickly. And of course, I have, you know, my boys who are my friends from back home and school and those kinds of things that'll never leave. But some very quality people come into your life through the creative pursuits. And I couldn't agree more. Uh, On the flip side of that, negative surprise or maybe something that you didn't expect to be as difficult as it was or something that surprised you negatively. Probably the amount of work it took. Like, I don't think I understood what I was signing up for when I signed up for it. Granted, I've been able to expedite my process quite a bit since then. Like, I think the first podcast took me 24 hours of total time editing, 24 hours sitting on my laptop working on it. I edited a podcast this weekend. I did, it was two hours and I did that. I recorded the takeaways. I cut two social clips, made two quote graphics, made a cover art, a thumbnail, a YouTube background, and I scheduled it on YouTube in three and a half hours. So I've been able to expedite it a lot, but it's still like three and a half hours. If I'm doing that every single week, if I do two podcasts a week, that doesn't even factor in the two hours it took to record that podcast. And I probably spend more time researching than I do editing at this point. Like I spend probably two to four hours per guest researching because a research is part of my podcast at this point. It makes my podcast what it is. And back to that building a relationship with these people that come on my podcast, when they can tell I've done a lot of research, like more than any person they've ever had an interview with, that makes them connect with me a lot more than if I was just trying to do it off the get, like without any prep. Granted, some people can do that. And some people are really good at that. Like my friend Deepak, he hosts It's Not That Deep. He's very, he can have notes or it messes with him. He needs like maybe like a couple bullet points and that's it. He can flow and it's a great conversation. My personality, I don't think is designed that way. I need to be that prepared. And like I've recently been thinking, I'm not actually a good podcast interviewer. I'm just a really good researcher. And that allows me the air cover to conduct the, the interviews that I do. If you just were like, go interview that person, I could probably do it because yes, I've done like 87 plus the Red Blacks ones to this point. But if you gave me an hour to prepare, I'd be far better conducting that interview. So I just don't think I was prepared for the amount of work it was going to take per episode, kind of bringing it back to your original question. But at the end of the day, what I tell people, because that might sound daunting and scary to a lot of people wanting to do their own podcast. At the end of the day, I choose to do all that work. I don't have to prepare if I don't want to. I just don't think it'll be as good. I don't have to spend the time editing and I don't have to re-listen to my podcast. I could just upload it raw, but I want it to be better than that. I don't have to make the social media clips, but I want to have something to promote it. And I want to have assets to give to my guests so that they get something out of the time they give me and then they can promote the podcast. I don't have to do any of that. I don't have to record a takeaways, but I choose to. If you want to just sit down, you could literally hit stop recording when you and I finish and schedule this and be done with it and spend two minutes editing this podcast. I choose to do it. And I just, with my personality type, I have to do it that way, but you don't have to do it the way that I do it if you're starting a podcast. So a a negative is the amount of time that it takes, the time commitment, but to not scare anybody listening to this, it doesn't have to be that way. Right. And one thing that I always tell people is let's figure out how big of a goal this is for you. How connected is it to your identity in, in pursuing this? And if that's it, then we're going to try and go as quality as possible. If it's hobby for some people, that's great too. Um, But what's your goal, you know? So that's awesome. Yeah. And like, Serge, one thing I will say about that is anything I've done on the podcast that I stop enjoying, because to your point of it being a hobby and how much work you want to put into it, I'm doing this because I want to. If there's anything that I start to be like, man, I'm just really not enjoying this, I cut it. 
because if the podcast starts to become a chore, that's when I'm going to get into those conversations with myself of, should I stop doing this? It's not fun for me anymore. Like I used to subtitle all of my clips, every single one. I would transcribe all of the audio. I hated it. It took so much time. I cut it, right? I just, anything that I don't like, I cut it to make sure I'm still enjoying it and enjoying this process. And like a lot of people too, are like, they don't want to make those changes because they're worried about what their audience is going to think. I promise you, unless you're huge, if you're like me, your audience is not going to care if you stop subtitling your clips. Your audience is not going to care if you start posting on a Tuesday instead of a Thursday, right? Like you can make these changes and no one's actually going to care. A lot of it's in your head. And if they do care, if it's a necessary thing for you to cut out, you can't please everybody, right? Exactly. Um, so I guess in terms of your workflow, you kind of mentioned it a bit there for us. I did want to ask, kind of take us through from kind of beginning to end in terms of your your workflow. Usually it starts with cold DMs, just reaching out to people. I have lists kind of all over the place. I have a list on Twitter of people to DM to come on my podcast. I have a, a note, like a, a folder on my Instagram of photos I've saved of people that like reach out to these people. I also have a note on my phone that I just write people down when they come to me or I see their stuff. So I've kind of lists all over the place. I'll find those. I'll start messaging people, asking them to come on my podcast. Sometimes it's through an introduction. Um, sometimes my guests are like, wow, I really enjoyed that experience. Actually, I know someone else that should come on your podcast. Sometimes I ask people, but then I, not so much anymore. I did probably a few months ago, but I kind of realized that I'm not going to ask my guests for anything. That's not why I asked them here. I don't want anyone to ever get that perception that I asked you to come on my podcast just to try and get to someone else, right? Like that is the last thing that I want anyone to think for coming on my podcast. I don't want anything from you other than to have a great conversation and get to know your story. But either way, so that's how I start. I start by reaching out to people. From there, once they say yes, I get it in the calendar. I start my research process. Like I said, that can be two to four hours. That involves Googling their name and scrolling back four, five, six pages on Google, reading all of the articles. Um, if they have a YouTube channel, I try and skim through like all of their videos, go back to the beginning and watch some of their early videos. Because a big thing with me where I say a lot of people, I try to impress people with my research to strengthen that connection that they have with me during the podcast. I try and find things that they've never been asked before but not just a question that they've never been asked before. I try and ask them something about them that has happened to them that has never ever, that they've never been asked before. Like recently an episode with this marketer named Nick Sharma and I asked him about his first company by name and he goes, whoa, nobody's ever asked me that before. So I try to do that and that comes with me going through early YouTube videos. I listen to, try and listen to every single podcast they've been on. Of course, if you've been on like 10, 15 podcasts, I'm not going to get to everyone. I'll try five, six podcasts because I double two and a half speed it so I can get through it faster. And I'm through the podcast is where I get a lot of that good info as well. Because if someone's talking for an hour and a half, I don't remember what I said to you 18 minutes ago. So if you ask me about it in a year, you're going to blow my mind because I'm going to have no idea. I'm not going to remember everything that I said and people don't when they're on podcasts. So I write down quotes and pull things that people say from podcasts. I scroll deep in their Instagram. I spend yeah, again, two to four hours doing that. It starts with a brain dump and a word doc. I just write everything down and then I try to break it up into three sessions so I don't get too like bored. So I'll just brain dump everything I find, everything I write down, quotes, whatever, just in one big long word doc. Then the next day I come back, I sit down, I organize it in a chronological order that makes sense for the flow of the interview. I come back a third day, I add all the sub questions to every single point that I've researched. So again, that takes me somewhere between two to four hours to get done, conduct the interview for two hours. Then once that's done, I clean up their audio, I clean up my audio, I drop it in together. But because I record remotely for most of my podcasts, there's usually some like awkward dead space with the connection. There's a bit of a lag. So then I export it again, remove all the space with like a preset thing I have, drop it back in, double speed it, listen to it. If there's any 
anything that I don't think the guests would appreciate going out. I'll remove it. That almost never happens. I'll clip a bunch of clips that I think would make great social content. I'll write down quotes. I'll write down some of my takeaways. And then I just export it, schedule it. And then I go through and now I've started to limit the amount of clips I do because I'm just not getting the return on the investment of time I'm doing into them. So I'll pick my three favorite clips. I'll take a couple of the other ones, find some quotes, make a couple quote graphics. and call it a day. I don't know you said cliff notes and that was probably the longest cliff notes ever, but that's kind of a quick high level rundown of the whole process of my podcast, but I'm sure I'm forgetting something. No, it's great. I think when you go into an interview like this and you have the time to have a real conversation, you can elaborate and that adds the most value, right? I mean, anyone can Google and find the top blog or blog about how to start a podcast, but um, getting a little more real about the process will just help people. So I guess in extension of that, on more the tech side, and I appreciate it can be so hard to put ourselves back there to the person chattering their teeth, nervous to start a podcast because they don't know what they need. What would someone need to start the podcast. All you need is your phone. You use your audio recorder and you can talk in your phone. That's a podcast. I was messaging somebody on Instagram on Sunday evening using Instagram audio messages. We were just talking back and forth and that sounded great. I didn't once think that, wow, this sounds like trash. Your phone can record some pretty good freaking audio. And then you download the app called Anchor onto your phone and you upload that audio file into Anchor and you have a podcast. Again, like I said earlier, it's as much work or as fancy as you want it to be. And when you're just starting, you don't need to have a crazy setup. You literally just need your cell phone and that's it. So Anchor is where you upload to. Is that what you use? No. So Anchor is free, which is why I said Anchor. So it's a free app in in the app store. You can just go download it and Anchor will then distribute it to all of the major podcast platforms. So it goes to Apple, it goes to Spotify, Google Podcasts. The only thing with that is they throw us an Anchor logo on your podcast cover art, whatever that is. I didn't do that just because I wanted to pay for it. I didn't want the Anchor logo. I was... I was being fancy and I got Simplecast, 15 bucks a month, I believe is what the charge is. Um, And again, it's very similar to Anchor, a little bit different. It comes with its own website for your podcast. So there's a mysociallife.com or mysociallifepodcast.com. And that website came free with that. It's a whole thing. But so I use Simplecast, but Anchor is free. It's super easy to use. It's super intuitive. Anyone can figure it out. And you can also do it if you have actual microphones or you want to edit your podcast on your computer, you can upload it on your computer as well. And it'll allow you to distribute it to different podcast platforms for free. And what do you do your editing in? I use a combination of Adobe Audition and Adobe Premiere, which is probably weird because my podcast has no video, but I still, I'm more comfortable in Premiere. So that's where I edit. It's weird for some people, but I mean, it's what works for me. So I will clean up. I have a couple presets that I use in Adobe Audition that cleans, moves some background noise, enhances the audio, and then I export it into Premiere and I edit it in Premiere. And sometimes, so I export it into Premiere and then I re-export it as one clip. Although I'm saying that now, I just realized I could probably do that in Audition. I'm learning things as I'm talking to you, but either way, so then I export both the audio because they're separate tracks. I export them as one track back into Audition, remove any of the dead space with a, another standard, like they have a, a one that does automatically for you. You just set like the parameters of if the sp- silence is this long, remove this much of the silence. And then once that's done, I drop it back into Adobe Premiere and I edit it that way. Just listen to the whole thing. I think kind of the final piece in terms of the tech side is platforms for recording. So right now we are using Zencaster with some Zoom audio. What would you suggest if somebody was just asking you how to start. If you're just starting, 
I would say Zencaster. It's entirely free. They have some stuff in there. They have some filters within Zencaster that it enhances your audio a little bit. Like my audio raw coming out of Zencaster sounds better than my audio raw coming out of Adobe Audition. So Zencaster is a free website, Z-E-N-C-A-S-T-R, and it's entirely free. And it's great for one, you can just record on your own. So if it's just you talking, it's a great place you can just record your audio. Two, if you have a guest, that's great as well. You just send them a link. They don't have to download it. They don't have to sign up. They hit that link and they're brought directly into the call. And what's great about Zencasters records natively on both sides. So for example, like it's recording right now into my laptop, but your audio is recording into your laptop. So I had this happen to me one time when I was episode number 52 with Carla Gregg, I was recording and my Wi-Fi cut mid podcast and I scrambled 30, it took me about 30 seconds to get my Wi-Fi back up and running. She was luckily on such a long tangent. She didn't realize I was gone because it was still recording on her end. So nothing like grayed out or anything. So she was still talking. She didn't realize I was gone. I was able to kind of get some semblance of what she was saying and ask a follow-up question based off of that. And all I had to do in post was remove my audio of um, hello, I think I lost you, hello. And it was fine because it recorded on her end. So just because my Wi-Fi cut, hers was still going. So she was fine because it recorded on her side. So it's great for preserving your audio. If anything weird happens, knock on wood that that doesn't happen to you. And on top of that, it just sounds the best sounding audio quality of anything that I've ever used to record audio remotely. And again, with it being remote, you don't have to worry about. So with Zoom, it would transmit from my computer to your computer and record on your computer. When it's recording straight into your computer, it keeps it at a higher audio quality. Episode like 100 or 150 or 2000, I don't know, for you, you should bring in some of those funny clips. I'm sure you have yeah. plenty. Honestly, I'd have to do some digging, but they're, they're sticking, kicking around well, somewhere. Well, episode 52, you already remember one of them. Um, that's cool how you have such a mind for those episodes with this being very early on. I don't know if I'll have that, like, remember that one. You'll have it. You'll have it at the beginning for sure. There's definitely sometimes, like, I got one wrong recently. I was looking for one and I was like, what was it? Episode 39 and it was 36. So they're starting to blend a little bit. Nine and a six. It's okay. Yeah. So I know that you recently released a rebrand of your podcast. Correct. I know we don't want to slow people down, but in terms of tips or tricks to brand the podcast, naming anything that comes to mind. That's a tough one for me to answer. And because for the longest time, I didn't think my branding was that great. The reason I rebranded it was I wanted people to be able to look at my podcast cover and understand what the show was about at a quick glance. Because beforehand, so when I started my podcast, my podcast is called My Social Life. And beforehand, what my cover was, was Polaroids. There's Polaroids on a cover. It said My Social Life below it. And the reason I made a Polaroids is because because I take a Polaroid photo of all of my guests. If it's an in-person podcast, I don't take Polaroids on my laptop screen. And so I was like, well, I'll put Polaroids on the cover then because that's kind of like just a thing I do with my podcast. The thing is now everybody does that. Everyone takes a Polaroid photo of their guests. That's not really a differentiating factor for my show anymore. Plus, when you look at the cover, it's just a couple of Polaroids and it says my social life. You don't understand that the podcast is about social media at a quick glance. So what I did is I made this like honeycomb hexagon thing that has different emoticons of different social media things, whether it be a heart or a thumbs up. It's got Wi-Fi bars. It's got a podcast mic. It's got like a user profile. So at a glance, people, it doesn't say specifically this is about social media, but you look at that and you kind of understand what the show is about. I also made mine a deep red instead of a white, just so it stood out a little bit more. I just made it a little bit cleaner. My design skills have gotten better over the last year and a half, two years since I originally made that cover art. So that was just kind of the reason behind my rebrand and kind of my thought process behind it is I want it to be a little bit more professional, cleaner, understand at a quick glance and a little bit more bold. I think those are pretty good points. To me right now, the most important thing is do I want to have mega episodes that are topic based? Because my whole thing is taking a subject matter and studying it for 200 hours and sharing with my audience what I learned. That's my thing. And they align from blog, YouTube, and now I'm adding podcast. 
one of these topics right now would be podcast, for example. So I had the mind of, okay, what's well, going to be really cool because I can make like long form blog posts, make these long form pods. And that's a differentiating factor because who puts out a two hour podcast <laughs> with four guests? But now on my first day recording, I'm realizing maybe it's better to go smaller still on topic if the guests are available. And the original reason for my doing those short ones was I don't need to take up big time commitments. 20 minutes times three or four is easier than one person times 60, 80 minutes. That's more me thinking out loud. Do you have any input on that? I would say try and extract as much value from each guest while you have them to the point where I made that, that like a lot of these, a lot of the people that I have on my podcast, I wouldn't have met had I not had the podcast. So while I have them there, I want to talk to them as long as possibly can and get to learn and learn as much as I can while I have them. If this person agrees, I want to get the chance to interact with them as long as possible. So instead of limiting yourself to 20 minutes, and again, like with me, when it comes to podcasting, I start to sweat when someone says I only have an hour and I'm like, shit, I have seven pages of bullet point notes here that we're not going to get to cover all of it because I thought we were going to have an hour and a half and now you only give me half an hour or 60 minutes. So I'm like cutting things and I'm like editing my notes in my head as we're going along. So for you, I would say hundred percent, just talk to people as long as possible. Cause I feel like you'll be putting yourself in a little bit of a box if you have to cut it off after 20 minutes with every single person. And it's at a point like this where you're 45 minutes in 60 minutes in where sometimes you get the best stuff. Yeah. I think I woke up this morning with the idea of having episodes spliced with guests and I am already leaning back towards separating them. So I already have two episodes on podcasting. Now to play devil's advocate here, just because as I'm talking, I'm thinking as what I'm saying at the same time. If you edit every single one down to 20 minutes, you could just pack just the key value moments from every single one of these interviews and you could just pack them down into like the most impactful, like 10, 15 minutes of each one. Granted, you can still do that and that could be your YouTube strategy and you want to hear the full interview and everything without any editing, head over to the podcast, subscribe to the podcast. So that's another way you could look at it too. And as we talked about, by just trying and figuring out, that's how I'm going to learn. So I'll keep you posted. In terms of the last podcast related, work related question, and then I'll get into my theme ones that I'm rolling with. Because you're such an expert in the area of social media, how do you feel people should be creating the micro content that comes off of the pillar podcast episodes? So what I do is I look for that key 30 to 45 second snip where it's like you could either, there's two ways to look at it. I look at something where they deliver key value or a good takeaway in the 30 to 45 second chunk and I'll export just that 45 seconds to edit with later, or they start to tell a story and you can cut it right as the stories get good, kind of like that cliffhanger thing that TV shows do to you to try and like hook people in. I want to hear the rest of the story. Let me go download this podcast. I don't do that as much. I look more so for those value points, but sometimes I look for those those cliffhanger moments. Then I take those because I'm only audio. I use a uh, website called headliner.app where you can drag and drop your audio into it. You can add a photo behind it and then it auto generates a wave bar of like the audio that you can just slap on top. So I do that for my work podcast. I use After Effects, but that's getting complicated for my personal podcast. But for my work podcast, I just use this headliner.app. I take that good 45 second clip and I just drop it in there. Something that's going to be enticing to people, drop it in, add a photo, add the wave bar, export it. Takes two minutes to do. And that's what I do for my audio clips. And do you share that across multiple platforms? So this is kind of changing right now. So it's been primarily Instagram for the last year and a half. I have posted more than a photo a day 
I've officially surpassed more photos than followers, I believe. I might have changed. I might have gotten a couple of followers since then. I last looked, but more photos than followers, over 800 photos, around 800 followers. Instagram's not working. I, to your point, I announced the rebrand and actually right before we sat down to record this podcast, I tweeted my stats from my rebrand announcement. I got, I think it was 19 likes and 1200 impressions on Twitter. I got 29 likes and 2,500 impressions on LinkedIn. I got 18 likes, eight comments and 200 impressions on Instagram. So I've been putting all of my eggs into the Instagram basket in terms of promoting my podcast. I'll throw up a tweet here and a LinkedIn post there, but the return I'm getting isn't there. The reach is down. The engagement is down. I stopped doing hashtags because all of the hashtag engagement was just like bots and like people that didn't care. So now my Instagram engagement is horrendous. I've been doing this for a year and a half, posting every single day, posting what I think is quality content. And I posted a photo last week that got four likes. Instagram is kind of one and done. There's not much evergreen there unless someone goes on your account and scrolls through all your content. So now my mindset when it comes to social media for my podcast is changing is where can I post that's going to make an easy transition for someone to get to that post of the podcast to my podcast because Instagram, you have to go to the account and the link in bio and somewhere that's going to be evergreen. So back to my girlfriend's business that she's running, a big thing that she's keying into right now is Pinterest and she's really starting to understand Pinterest. So if I can kind of learn from her how to best use Pinterest, which is literally a platform of links to drive people elsewhere, that is evergreen. If I can start creating content that resonates with a Pinterest audience, that's going to be more effective. So I've been beating this Instagram horse for like a year and a half and it's just not working. So I'm changing up my strategy a little bit. So it's kind of hard for me to explain right now because I could say I've been doing Instagram, but I just don't think Instagram's working right now. So I'm currently myself in the process of reanalyzing what I'm doing and figuring out where I should actually allocate my my time that's one evergreen and has good organic reach as well. You just hit the nail on the head perfectly in terms of you're still figuring it out. And that's just so cool. Quick side note, I posted to Pinterest once and it got like 14,000 views the day of. I was like, what the heck? <laughs> like, uh, yeah, it was a quote that I said and I put it on the picture of a mountain from Unsplash. That's it, right? Like I think my girlfriend wasn't even actively using her Pinterest. She was getting like thousands of profile views a day or something like that. Like she wasn't even using it anymore. So yeah, it's something we're both kind of looking at and she's more, she definitely knows a lot more about it than I am. So I'm going to kind of lean on her when it comes to Pinterest. And I'm also looking at Reddit as well as another platform to start leveraging and grow community and post my podcast. Just always figuring it out, I think is what it's about. Because trying to build off of that for me on Pinterest was like it went straight back to nobody seeing anything. So I don't know. It's hard. It's a mystery sometimes in the social media world. All right. So I have, a, as a lot of people do, a few questions that I'm trying to ask each guest. What do you call this section? It's a great question. Right now it says my theme questions. There you go. Because <laughs> I used to call it rapid fire. And then I asked someone a deep and introspective question. And they're like, this is not a rapid fire question. So then I was like, okay, fine. So I started calling it the Q&A. And then I realized the entire podcast is a Q&A. So this makes no sense. So literally my transition into these questions is basically the explanation I just give you. The guest kind of chuckles and then we just go for it. So let's think on that. Connection questions. We could go down the list of synonyms, but it's something that's going to tie them together. Sewing questions. I don't know. Uh, it's been a long day. But yeah, I don't know. The questions that I would, and I think that's so neat. I've li- appreciated how you've done it. I've always liked when other podcasts take the time to do it. Sometimes I think they can be too much. But when I've seen uh, the same ones exist for a number of episodes and you get to hear different people's takes on the same questions, I think that is cool. Whereas the rest of the episodes should be tailored to the person, you know? The first question is, if you could leave a piece of advice for the next generation of kids, you know, what would be one thing that you would say? 
I'm going to default to just start, which I want to stop defaulting because that's been my thing for probably the last like eight months. It's been kind of my, the drum that I've been beating, but that's just what I'm going to roll with is just start, especially for your audience. I think that's going to be key is to just stop debating and start doing because you're going to learn. And like I said, you're never going to be ready by like thinking and planning and strategizing. I understand that that does have a place and that can be important, but there's a point where it becomes counterproductive and to just start and you'll figure it out along the way. Well, and thank you for saying that in terms of your audience. I think it is most important that you just choose whatever is the true answer. Because one thing I've learned is that we try and change things up ourselves. Whereas like you don't know who's going to listen to that episode and really benefit from that if that's the most important thing, you know? So stay true to that. (laughs) Don't think too hard about something else. This is a fun one for me. The whole theme of all this is continuing to learn. So what is a learning goal that you have right now for yourself? Read more books. It's a big one. Um, Since quarantine started, I've really started to pick up on that. I've been reading every single night. I kind of mentioned I have a new morning and night routine and reading is a big part of that, Uh, especially at nighttime. I sit down 30 to 45 minutes every night. Um, I've set a goal probably the last three, four years. I'm going to read 12 books this year. I don't even think I've read 12 books in the three, four years since I started setting that goal. So since quarantine started, what are 45 days in now, I've read three books. I've started my fourth. So I'm going to hit that 12 book goal and I want to keep doing it. I'm falling in love with reading and that's a big thing that I have for learning and to kind of enhance my learning when it comes to reading a book. Not only am I reading, I bought my girlfriend got me a Kindle for Christmas because a Kindle allows you to take notes super easily. You just drag, select, add to notes. And then when I'm done reading, I export my notes. I just hit export notes and it emails me all of my notes to my email. And then I take that note. This is a little bit crazy. Not everyone was going to want to do this, but then I take that list of notes. Sometimes like I think the first book I read is like 350 notes. I then paste it into Evernote. I read all of my notes. I bold what's important. If anything I really I was like, well, that's dumb. I delete it. I bold everything that's important. And then after that, I go back, I reread everything that's bold, the most important stuff. And I turn that into a summary article. And I summarize everything that this book taught me, the key learnings I had in this book in an article. I wasn't planning. I published two so far. I've only promoted the one. The first one, I wasn't planning for this. It's a 5,000 word essay that's 22 minutes long to read. I wasn't intending for that. But by doing all of those extra steps, I reinforced what I learned through that book. And by writing it, I also read reinforce what I learned. And I even kind of uncovered some new things that the book was teaching me that I didn't fully understand. But by writing it, I kind of learned some new stuff. So short answer, reading, long answer, reading plus note taking plus article writing to really kind of enhance my knowledge. And I think it's working. I feel like I've had a bit of a mindset shift over the last 45 days. And paying it forward too. I, if you go back, dig early on in my Instagram from way back, it's like really crappy face on video of me summarizing books because I read them fairly quickly and then summarize in my head and then like to tell people. So it gives Cole's notes. It's kind of a fun way of doing it. And I love that that lets somebody else, just like your articles, take in some of that information, even though they may not be going to buy that book. If you were to ask me a question that you think my answering would help clarify something for my following question that comes to mind that you would ask me. And I like the way that you frame it because I've been on other, some other podcasts will ask, like ask us a question, which is great. And I understand why you do that because it's fun. And I, I understand I enjoy being asked questions. I understand entirely. But the way that you frame it is a little bit different than just ask us a question. It's like within, there's an intention behind the question. And so my question for you then is pretty oh, simple. We've, so I just realized we've done this before. <laughs> And I didn't think of it until you just asked it that way. That brought back a memory. Anyways, it might be different though. This one is different. (laughs) It's a one word question. It's a one word question that I will elaborate on. And that one word is why. Now to build off of that, I understand you've identified your purpose 
But I'm curious as to why that is your purpose. Why is your purpose to encourage people to learn and keep learning and to pursue their best selves? Because that is inherently an unselfish pursuit. You're trying to help other people and not help yourself. So why have you made that your purpose? And see, this is what's going to be so cool is I know it's going to be an answer that is going to be a piece of content, right? It's going to be a 50 second Instagram answer or something, because I I do know that our whys get confused sometimes in terms of like, what's the definition, the semantics, if you will, right? And I can't count how many times I've written down my why, like Simon Sinek, start with why and those kinds of things. Certainly, it's to improve the mental health of youth. And then that spills into adults as much as possible through a appreciating that having the right learning mindset is kind of the key to improving mental health. That's the quick, not overly thought out answer, but that's at the at the heart of all of it. Yeah, yeah. for sure. And I asked that question because I've, again, been doing a lot of introspective thinking and I'm in the process of figuring out mine. Because like I do my podcast, but like I, I kind of have a why behind it, but there's not really a purpose to it. So I'm still in the process of figuring out big picture what that is for me. So I was just curious. And someday we can talk more on that for sure, off the record or whatever, when we're allowed to go have coffee. But yeah, for me, that when I talk about that why, it's like all these little things like growing up up in a funeral home and all of these little perspective pieces start coming into play as to why the why exists. Anyways, this isn't about me. Now, before we sign off, where can people find you online? So people can find me on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at the Jacob Kelly. LinkedIn, I'm just Jacob Kelly. Feel free to follow me, connect with me, send me a DM. My mess, my DMs are always open. So feel free to come and say hello. You want to ask me about anything I mentioned on this podcast, whether it be about life, mindset, routines, reading, books, whatever it is. My DMs are always open. If you'd like to listen to my podcast, my podcast podcast is called My Social Life. It's available wherever you listen to podcasts. So whether it be Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, YouTube, we're on YouTube as well. The easiest way to find me is actually I've recently launched this. My website is jacobkelly.ca. There's links to my social, links to my podcast. My blog is there. I have a contact form. If you want to get in touch with me or see anything that I'm doing, jacobkelly.ca will point you in the right direction. Awesome. Thank you for doing this. My pleasure, man. I had a blast. It means a lot when people, uh, you need those first few guests to be supportive. So thank you. No, dude, I had a blast. And if you want to do it again, like this was great. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, I'm sure we will. I'll be on, I'll be on yours. I'm going to request episode 222. <laughs> yeah. You never said why, why 222? <laughs> Did I say that before though? 222? Oh. Yeah. You said that you <laughs> commented, that you commented on my LinkedIn recently and I comment and I was like, why 222? And you never answered. You know, what's funny. I get lost a little bit sometimes in LinkedIn and Facebook. I lose messages. Instagram is good for that. Twitter is good for that. I don't know what it is. I get lost. I mean, it's the different types of notifications, but I miss messages in LinkedIn and Facebook, especially Facebook. I don't know. Um, Because everything blends in terms of notifications. Uh, I just choose my favorite number. That's all. (laughs) Fair enough. Um, And I do appreciate, I like the way that you have your, your podcast styled around people who are able to give advice having gone through the journey. I think that it's important to stick to brand and that kind of stuff, which is the same reason why if someone asked me to go do a talk about this, I wouldn't go do it right now. Go do a talk about a lot of other things. Or like, not this project, I would talk about that. I mean, for me, one of the things that I know is that I never looked at learning or education as any like scalable thing. I always Mm -hmm. thought public industry, you make your set pay scale and that's where you're at forever. And like, it's cool because you get a retirement. I realized that there's can be a better way by doing something that's scalable. Mm -hmm. Um, This is all, again, we're just going to go off topic forever, but how do you monetize that appropriately? What do you end up doing? Because when I see people, like imagine what Gary Vee could do right now in terms of teaching high school kids if he wanted to. Mm -hmm. Well, he is. Um, I mean, right? So- 
it's just figuring out what that is. And when it comes to those things, I do want to be able to give advice to people once I've been able to go through all the trials and tribulations of getting there and certainly mm-hmm. not there <laughs> at the yeah. bottom of the mountain looking up like Kobe says. And that's yeah. okay. So it's cool. It's a good spot to be. Mm-hmm. You got to start somewhere. For sure. Do you have any tips about how to end these things? <laughs> yeah. So for me, usually what I do is I always, so I'm actually just, I'm doing some consulting on podcasting right now. So it's kind of cool. I'm kind of actually like having to sit down and figure out how do I structure an intro? How do I structure my outro? So for my outro, I always say thank you to the guest. A thank you to the listener. Most importantly is thank you to the people for listening to the podcast. Anyone that was willing to take the time, especially however long this ends up being that sat through this entire thing. I always thank them, remind them, make sure to go follow my guests, whatever that is. I'll make sure their show notes are linked in there. I'll make sure their info is linked in the show notes down below, where to find me, where to find the podcast. You could even throw in there if you want to. I do it at the beginning, but you could throw in, please don't forget to leave a rating and a review. The more positive ratings and reviews you get, the more it helps people find your show. And then that's it. Thank you once again. And then the way I kind of end everything is I just say, we'll talk soon. That's perfect. I need a catchphrase. Mm-hmm. Just keep learning. There you <laughs> go. <laughs> so yeah. it's almost like too cliche. But who cares? No, but it's great. It's like, you just keep it, it going. You, you do your full edge and then you go, and don't and remember, just, just keep, keep learning. learning. And and cut. Dope. That was a fun one, but let's be honest, they're all fun. It's our guests who make this truly incredible. Thank you to our guest this episode, Jacob Kelly. He's another great example of someone to watch in the space of online business because he's sure to create many things that help a lot of people. Thanks so much for listening. Can't wait to see how many of you subscribe and leave a review. But most importantly, tell someone who might just appreciate it. Until the next episode of The Learned Podcast, all the best. And remember, just keep learning.